Hi, this is Rick Diaz. I'm a photographer from the San Francisco Bay Area, and you're listening to The Light Source. And welcome to episode 23 of Light Source, the official podcast of studiolighting.net, the website introducing photographers to portrait and studio lighting equipment and techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer and image inspector with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, we are going to have a, an interview with uh, Rick Diaz. Now, if you're a member of our Flickr group, uh, I'm sure you've seen Rick's uh, watermark on a number of images in the Flickr pool. Uh, he has a great style for, for shooting ladies, and um, I'm working with a lot of models, and he shares some of his uh, experience, techniques, and kind of where he's been going, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think especially because Rick shares how he's able to really do some outstanding work with very little investment. Yeah, this is the show I don't want my wife to hear. <laughs> That's right. So if you're, <laughs> if you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, you may want to tune in. <laughs> or tune tune uh, other people out of it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> of course, if you free up budget, there's always other stuff that you can spend it on. Oh, this is true. Like lenses. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of lenses, Canon introduced two new lenses this week. Really? One of them, I think, sounds uh, pretty hot. It's a 50mm f1.2. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. It sounds like it's really cool. I've shot with an 85 f1.2 from Canon. How was that? Uh, it's tricky because it's, it's, your it's... your depth of field is so shallow. Cool. So it would be great for portraits, I bet. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a great length. It's a great wide aperture setting. Um, it's great if you want to work on your biceps because it is a huge, heavy lens. <laughs> I think it has like an 82-millimeter adapter or filter ring on the end of it, and it's just it, it looks like a wow. coffee can. Well, that's a 50 millimeter would be a great addition to that then. That's kind of a nice focal length for just walking around with, and you can get close if you have to, but you can and back it's it up. It's part of their L series. I mean, it's it's tack sharp. That's great. Um, and yeah, especially on the crop factor sensors, like the, the Rebel the Rebel series, the, the 30D series, that's a really excellent focal length um, that a lot of people have worked with the one the one eight and the one four that Canon has made, which I'll be really interested to see how this uh, 50 millimeter sells because I know when they had the F1.4 and the F1.8, a lot of people said, well, it's it's not worth the price difference to bump up to the F1.4. The only difference is build quality. Right. So it'll be curious to see what people think about, you know, an over thousand dollar 50 millimeter lens for the difference of, you know, what, 0.6? Yeah, exactly. It's It's a little hard to justify. Although there's times when I could, I would do an awful lot for like another half a stop. <laughs> That's cool. There's also some lens news in the Nikon camp. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't want a week to go by without some competition there. There's, uh, Carl Zeiss actually has announced that he's going to put out a whole new set of lenses for the Nikon F mount, which I thought was interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there's going to be a 50mm f1.4 and an 85mm f1.4 ZF Zeiss lens. So that'll be interesting. Again, the prices on those are not pretty. I think it's 624 and 1250 for the street price. So that could hurt. But I'm sure they'll be very good lenses. Well, let's see if I can one-up you one more. Uh, let's see. Canon has announced a new camera this week. 
Um, this is in the Rebel line. It's the XT lowercase i. Um, not sure why they went with the XT lowercase i thing. Maybe it's X titanium. <laughs> Maybe that's what oh, it stands nice. for. Anyway, this is their uh, the successor to the 30D or the Rebel XT, which comes with a 10 megapixel sensor. Oh, that sounds like a nice camera. Yeah, I'm curious why they released this one, and when they just released the 30D not all that long ago, that's considered a, a step up from it. You know what I'm saying? Like, the 30D is considered a higher-grade camera, but it has a lower megapixel resolution. Well, it must be because of the, the Sony Alpha, then, because Nikon released their 10 megapixel at the same time that Sony released their 10 megapixel, and now here comes Canon. Well, it's true. It, it's I feel bad for the 30D users that that ran out and bought them because it seems like that camera was obsoleted pretty quickly. Yeah, it is a strange move. Well, in news that's a little bit closer to home, we just joined a new group. That's right. We've joined an international group of podcasting photographers called the Photocast Network, which is a a great group of all of the top photography podcasts uh, in order to expand our membership and uh, draw some potential for advertisers. We've, we've joined hands with some of the great shows like uh, Chris Marquat's Tips from the Top Floor, uh, Photo Walkthrough, The Candid Frame, Two Minute Photoshop Tips, The Simple Photo Minute, Radiant Vista, and Martin Bailey Photography. So I'm really excited about being a, a being a part of this as a charter member of this team. Yeah, it's certainly a nice company to be uh, to keep in. You know, we've received a couple of emails of people who have said, what other podcasts do you recommend us to listen to? You know, being photographers and podcasters, we all, I know at least I listen to a bunch of them and you do too. So if you're looking for a place to check out some other photography podcasts, this would probably be a, an interesting stop for you. You can get to the website at photocastnetwork.com and there's a page about each of the different podcasts and what they're all about. So hopefully joining this Photocast Network will ex- expose the light source to uh, some new listeners, and maybe uh, we can expose some of our listeners to some shows that they may not be listening to already. And um, it's all about the audience and you guys out there, and we like to find out what you guys, who you guys are and who you guys are listening to us. So you have a survey that you had signed us up for, correct, Bill? Yeah, in an attempt to kind of gather information, uh, not just for the network, but for in general, we're trying to get an idea of who's listening so we can tailor the show better to the audience, and we've set up a survey to allow us to do that. And if you'd like to help keep uh, keep LightSource up and running and, and keep making the show better for everybody, we'd really appreciate you taking a few minutes to head on over to studiolighting.net and clicking on the link for the podcast survey, which leads you to a, um, a service from a company called PodTrack and asks you to just fill out some general questions. It's all anonymous and private. But it just sort of gives us some information about who's listening and what the demographics of our audience are like. And that'd be a great help if, if uh, each of our listeners would head out and do that for us. Well, speaking of our listeners, um, actually a couple shows ago we had Mariano Friganol on and gave us his impressions of um, Aperture. And now on this episode of The Late Source, we have another listener that's joining us, Rick Diaz. And he's going to talk to us about uh, shooting fashion and beauty photography, and he shares a lot of his experiences with us. On this edition of The Light Source, we have with us this evening uh, one of our listeners and a 
amazing photographer. His name's Rick Diaz, and uh, I think he's perfected the art of photographing women. And uh, I'll always love to see his images coming through the uh, Flickr pool. And um, he is from the San Francisco Bay Area, and I think we're going to have an interesting story here. And welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. So tell us a little bit about your history with photography. How how long have you been involved in either the hobby or career, I guess I should say? Well, I mean, I kind of got an interest of it uh, back when I was probably a little kid. I mean, um, I had an, an aunt who died of cancer. And um, one great thing that my father was able to do for my mom's family, you know, it was my, my mom's sister, was he used to photograph all the time. I mean, he always had his camera with him. And um, I got to see, you know, through these pictures, wow, you know, photography is a very important thing. It allows people to really remember those people, you know, that, that we may lose and, um, and really document, you know, people's lives. And, I mean, you know, today, even today, you know, it's, it's about over 20 years now that she's, she's been gone, and uh, we see pictures of her all the time. Um, I mean, some of them I actually have never seen before. I just went to my grandmother's house and, you know, these beautiful pictures. So, you know, basically my dad, you know, he really, really inspired me to become a photographer. Overall, you know, I started with a little bit of journalism in high school, um, some documentary photography. You know, big fan of, you know, David Allen Harvey, Steve McCurry, you know, Jody Cobb from the National Geographic, um, you know, all the Magnum photographers, you know, I just, I just love their stuff. Um, Overall, you know, going through my high school years, I, I didn't really photograph much, to be quite honest. I was more of an artist. Um, I used to draw, you know, do some uh, sketching. And I was, I was actually into a human figure drawing for a little bit there uh, right after high school. Right after that, I started picking up the camera a little bit, you know, when I was with my family and stuff. And, and it, was, it was pretty cool. Um, I mean, I just had this, you know, small, compact, you know, little Canon, you know, camera that uh that used to take these awesome pictures and you know i used to play with that you know i was a mountain biker for a little bit and i used to take pictures of my friends you know we'd go to the hills mountain biking and yeah i mean you know i had no idea what an aperture was at that point um i chose to get into it a little bit further after high school and uh, early into college um i just went ahead and bought a nikon fm10 just you know the the cheapest version of the film manual camera that Nikon was making for a little bit there. And I mean, I just told myself, hey, you know, you've got to figure out what these numbers mean on this lens, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to figure out, you know, what these other numbers mean on this knob here, you know, next to the shutter. So, I mean, I was just, you know, trying to figure this whole thing out. And sure enough, I mean, it just went from there. I mean, I just, I would go to San Francisco, you know, on, on our uh, light rail system, which, which is called BART. And just, you know, go photograph people, you know, ask homeless guys, you know, if I can take their picture. And, and yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, I ended up mailing some of the pictures that I developed to these people. And, I mean, I would get these awesome letters back, you know, sometimes, sometimes with money, actually. So I was kind of <laughs> no. yeah, making money, you know, without really trying to. Since then, you know, quite recently, you know, about, let's see, like four years ago, I really, really got into it. Um, I just, uh, you know, never stopped photographing, started using some slide film, trying to figure out, you know, what it was, you know, all about. And, yeah, I, did, I learned about the different exposures and, and uh, you know, the tolerances, uh, film latitudes, all that, all that stuff. After that, I went ahead and joined with uh, 
the course with the New York Institute of Photography. How do you like that? Yeah, you know what? I really, really loved it. Um, I've always wondered how, how the course was. I bet there's a yeah. lot of photographers that have wondered that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean, I, I kind of found it um, at first. I kind of found it a little cheesy. I'm like, gosh, you know, this is the, you know, the digital age, and these guys are actually sending me audio cassettes. And I'm like, you know, what's all this about? Right? <laughs> That's great. But, um, yeah, overall, I mean, that has really, really helped me a lot. I mean, I wouldn't be shooting the models that I'm shooting today if it weren't for that. Well, speaking of models, and you've got a great story, and you talked about <laughs> going, you know, driving into the city or taking a ride in the city and, and just meeting people. Right. Like, we noticed that you you were shooting a lot in nightclubs. Like, what is that all about? Did you Do you have a special arrangement, or did you just hang out and ask people? Talk, tell us, you know, what that's all about. Sure, sure. It was funny because I was never really a, a nightclub-type person, but uh, when I got into photography, actually – uh, what really, really inspired me was uh, your guys' show with Clay Enos. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and since then, you know, I saw his photography, and I'm like, wow, you know, this, this Coyote Ugly stuff is pretty cool, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so what I, what I did was um, one day my, my brother told me, he said, hey, you know, the nightclubs in San Jose, you know, they, they constantly send out these flyers asking for photographers, you know, to – to document their events and you know they put up the pictures on their websites and stuff like that and I looked into it and it, it turned out to be pretty cool there's this uh, great um, club in, in San Jose called Studio 8 um, it was an old bank at one time and it has these huge pillars and stuff they just created a huge dance floor DJs upstairs it's awesome nice. and um, I went ahead and called these people up I said hey you know can I be a photographer one of your nights uh, at your club and and they said, sure, you know, we'll, you know, we'll give you a little bit to compensate for you. And yeah, just, you know, be nice. Tell them you're with, uh, with us and, and just ask people if they want their pictures taken. I, I noticed something funny, though. At first, when you first start, like maybe 9 o'clock, people don't really want to take their pictures. <laughs> it, it was a little hard. But uh, after, after around 11.30, you know, when people are, are uh, a little drunk, it's a lot easier. I bet. <laughs> a little so, and a little drink. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so it was it was pretty cool experience. I mean, uh, I, I actually it's funny because a lot of people um, have commented on on those uh, shots, and uh, they get back to me, and they definitely think you know that I, I do a pretty good job of it. I mean, I've I've done what I can, you know, and and I mean, you know, Jody, Jody Cobb from National Geographic said, you know, if you want to become a good photographer, you got to emulate another photographer and and just you know stylize it yourself. And yeah, I was definitely, you know, looking at Clay Enos' stuff and, and really trying my best to, you know, figure out what he does. That's and great. And trying to put my own my own little flavor into it, you know? And we definitely want to talk about style and um, because oh, yeah. that's something I want to talk about for sure. But before we get too off too far off of this, what sure. when you're in these clubs, are you just using on camera flash? I mean, speaking of lighting, uh, being a lighting you know, show <laughs> and all sometimes <laughs> <laughs> what do you do in there? I mean, were you taking your own equipment? Or did they have, you know? Yeah, actually, um, it was basically just my D100 with an uh, SB600 speed light with uh, an Omni Bounce, and I just use it at 45 degrees. Great. That was That's basically cool. it, yeah. And so they had a separate room, or were you just on the dance floor most of the time? Actually, I was kind of running around going on the dance floor. I was uh, actually jumping from two different clubs. Uh, there was another club down the street called uh, The Vault Ultra Lounge. And I would uh, run down there, take a few, come back to Studio 8, and, and take a few more. 
um, overall, I mean, those nights I was I was taking you know easy twelve hundred shots. Wow, that's a lot oh, of yeah. shots. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. That's a serious amount. And they of all that. made it to the website. <laughs> did you end up meeting a lot of uh, of your models then through this kind of thing? Yes, yes, I did. So that's a cool way to do that. It's, it's yeah, and and that's that's what really really led me into uh, the whole modeling you know model photography thing. And I mean, it, if I hadn't have done that, like I said, you know, it, everything it's it's been pretty funny like everything that I've done has progressed and gotten me to where I'm at now and I mean I was like you know where can it go from now you know well speaking of where do you go from now I was reading your blog and right. it looks like back in June 4th uh, my birthday you were saying oh, happy birthday <laughs> <laughs> way back when you were saying that you uh, responded to an ad on Craigslist about a studio space right right and um the little the little icon there with the picture, you know, I hope uh, Mark Robert Halper doesn't mind. I used his little picture of his studio there. Uh, <laughs> I just want to credit him. You know, that was a cool picture of a studio. I actually ended up um, not going ahead and going with that. Uh, I thought, you know, I, I still need to learn a little bit more. You know, it was, it was actually a pr not, not too good of a time to be doing that. Actually, now is a good time. So uh, I think even better things have actually come my way now. What has uh, come around now? Uh, what's come around now is uh, there's this uh, there's this modeling agency in San Francisco that uh, I'll say I guess the last three models that have joined up with them, um, I shot them all. You know this guy from the agency who was just like you know who's this Rick Diaz guy man? And he's just sending me all these girls you know, and sure enough, um, you know my last model uh, called me back and she says hey, uh, you know this guy really wants to work with you. And I was like, oh, cool, you know, let's, let's check it out. And so I went over here, over there to um, to San Francisco, and I checked it out. And pretty cool place. Uh, the guy actually owns, you know, a couple a couple buildings where he runs that uh, modeling agency out of. So now I'll be shooting for this guy, um, you know, for any assignment that he gives me. Hey, way to go! Congratulations. So he, he, yeah, thank you. He's he's actually uh, letting me use his studio space, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Now. There's some really interesting things about you and your photography, Rick, that I want to talk a little bit about. And I think the first one is, I mean, you've got an, you've got an awesome story there, and I really do think that you were just at the very beginning of an amazing career. Can you tell us about your style? I mean, I've talked with you briefly in the past about it. Just why is style important, and how, how did you develop yours? Because you have a very distinct style, I think. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, there's a lot of photographers out there. You know, let, let's just go ahead and say that. And in order to be unique, in order to be memorable and to be competitive, you just have to develop a style. Um, my style is a little different from a lot of photographers uh, when it comes to the aperture setting. I really, really love to work at a completely wide, wide aperture. I mean, it's, you know, all throughout many of my pictures, it's a very wide aperture all the time. And a lot of people aren't really used to that. Uh, when it comes to glamour photography, I mean, everything is pretty much, you know, at F11 or, or whatever, you know, these big bright lights, you know, are just completely illuminating these models. Um, I chose to take a different approach, you know, a little bit less light, a little bit wider aperture, more, you know, softness, more mood, and it's, it's caught on pretty well. I mean, it's amazing, you know, when I get these, this feedback from, you know, these models that have been, you know, shooting for five or ten years, it's like, wow, you know, I have never had any pictures like this taken of me before. That's and cool. I thought, well, 
gosh, you know, this, there's no reason for me to change my style now, you know? So Absolutely. I just kept, yeah, I, I just kept rolling with it. And, and I've definitely, um, I've definitely been continuing on staying in that route. So uh, there's, there's a couple things that come to my mind when I think about wide open apertures and, and especially in a modeling shoot like that. Do you, right. which aperture, first of all, what aperture are you generally talking about? Two. Okay. Wow. So that's, that's very open. Does, do you have like focus issues and stuff? Do you lose a lot more images because of that? Um, back when I was shooting at one four, yeah, but uh, at <laughs> two, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, huh? Uh, at two and two point eight, I'll say I'll say it's usually around two to two point eight. It's not that bad. At one four, it seems as if you know if if the model you know kind of angles her head and I focus on the closest eye, I mean, her other eye is just gonna, completely going to be wiped out. Right. And it looks a little scary in, in some senses, you know, and <laughs> it's not ne necessarily something that a model would want in her portfolio. But um, 2 to 2.8 is actually not that bad. Um, I've had these awesome pictures of, you know, th where these girls, is, you know, their faces are, are just completely in focus and the rest of their body isn't. That's great. And, and, yeah, I mean, it's really helped their, their, uh, their progression as models. Um, I mean, I just had a model just yesterday tell me that she's going to be shooting, you know, for, for a really cool clothing line down in, uh, in Los Angeles, I believe. And she really thinks that it's due to my, you know, technique, due to my style. That's, that's really great. Congratulations, yeah. man. The okay. other question I had about that was, obviously, your lighting is probably a little different than a lot of other photographers' lighting since you're shooting like that. And I already know... Right. <laughs> and then some of the people on Flickr probably already know as well oh, yeah. that you have a different lighting setup. What? Right, right. How would you describe your light? My light is, of course, a custom-built ring light that my dad and I actually built ourselves. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Again, going back to your podcast, uh, when I heard Clay Enos talk about his ring light, I was just amazed. I was like, wow, you know, that picture of Sting was pretty cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. And... Um, I thought, gosh, you know, I, I, I want to do that. So um, I actually went ahead and, and built a PVC pipe ring light that's completely wired. And my first version of the light was had eight bulbs on it. Tungsten bulbs. Yeah, it, it only had eight 40-watt bulbs, to be quite honest. Now you know why I was shooting at 1.4. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty ugly. <laughs> but overall, I mean, it was getting great results. I went ahead and uh, got in touch with the bulb manufacturer, which was GE, if I'm allowed to talk about them. They make this cool little bulb. It's, it's, uh, it actually has like a bluish tinge to it uh, to compensate for the really orange. I called them up, and they told me that their white balance for that bulb was at uh, 2,850K. And gosh, since then, I mean, I just dialed that in into, uh, into my raw software, and I just, you know, I've been going nuts ever since. But uh, I found that that uh, light had a little, you know, it was a little too dim. And I, I just had to build something new. So I went ahead and built a 16-bulb version. And, and each one is 75 watts. <laughs> it's funny because I've actually blown a few circuit breakers. But uh, it's, I'm gonna <laughs> ask that. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's, it's actually, I use my ring light in about, I'll say, 80% of my work. Nice. Yeah. That when you went to the modeling agency, is that what you took with you? Um, actually, it's funny because I have yet to use it with them. So I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll be integrating that part of it pretty soon. Now, I have a question about perception with models that you're working with. What's uh -huh. their first instinct when you pull out this, this large PVC apparatus? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. Um, right away, they look at it and they're, 
wondering what it is. And, you know, I go ahead and explain it to them. And I guess the easiest way to, to kind of explain it to them, it's, I, I tell them it's like a, a vanity mirror. Vanity mirrors have, uh, you know, of course, a mirror in the middle and lights all around. That's perfect when you're doing your makeup in front of the mirror because there's no shadows on you. So I tell them it's just like that, only, you know, I'll be shooting you r right through it. So those, there's not going to be any shadows on your face when I, when I make the pictures. So, you know, they understand right away. And once they see the back of my camera, you know, they're, they're really amazed of what, they're, uh, of what they cool. get. It's definitely been a pretty cool thing. I've actually had to glue it a couple more times because it keeps falling apart every time I take it somewhere. <laughs> Version 3 will be out pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. We definitely want to keep up with that on, on studiolighting.net. I sure. think you're going to be an ins inspiration to a lot of folks. It's, it's just a great testimony to what you can do on your own with limited funds or whatever, I mean, in a hardware store. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, Home Depot is my friend. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you figure, you know, the pro, the top-of-the-line pro ring flashes, gosh, I mean, I've seen some that are over $1,200 on B&H. I figured, you know, hey, you know, I took my dad to Home Depot, and like about $40 later, we had a ring light. Uh, yeah. Usually with those $1,200 ring lights on B&H, you have to put a power pack on the backside of that, too. That's another two grand. So, I mean, oh, they're, yeah. they're certainly yeah, not a, affordable. Right, right. And it's unlikely that you could get those apertures either. Yeah, exactly. And see, that was my next point. The fact that they're so powerful wouldn't work with the style that I'm trying to, you know, bust out. So that's why, I mean, I'm actually interested, you know, I have yet to use one. I'm very interested in, in playing with one. But overall, you know, I have just continued on with my little PVC pipe toy there. Well, with your light that you're using and your aperture that you're shooting at, do you think it helps go to getting the image that you're you're getting with kind of like this perfect skin tone that a lot of these models exhibit in your pictures? I mean, I'm getting the imagination here that San Francisco is like you know the perfect <laughs> poor capital of the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you, you do bring up a, a very interesting point. And it's, it's definitely a point that was actually brought up in my schoolwork with uh, the New York Institute of Photography. One issue that was brought up is the rules in which you would light a model for fashion and catalog photography. And when you use a single light, uh, let's say a single strobe, you know, maybe above the model, of course, you know, you're going to be getting shadows everywhere. And it's actually very, very a good thing, you know, because in a catalog, they're able to see, you know, the texture of the sweater, the, you know, the texture of the little tassels, whatever. But when it comes to a ring light, it's actually so bright and so forward that it's filling every crevice. I mean, they can actually have bumps on their skin and it, it, they don't show up because there's no shadow cast on it. It's just completely lit. So it actually helps me when I do my post-processing because I actually don't have to clean up that much. It's, it's definitely a great tool to use when, when you do um, beauty work because it's completely illuminating the, the model's face and it just helps you throughout. Now, when you say you don't do much post-processing, how much time would you say you spend on average with an image after you've, let's say you've established your selects and you go through your, your select images that you're going to deliver to your client. Roughly how much time do you think you spend with each select? If I'm using my ring light, with, you know, this style that I'm, I'm talking about, 10 minutes an image. Ooh, nice. <laughs> 10 minutes. And it's, it's definitely cool because, I mean, I'm, it allows me to, you know, to go shoot more. I mean, I, I hate to not be able to supply my model with pictures, you know, the same day. I mean, I, I love to be able to send her, you know, images right away 
and, and have her, you know, put them up on their profiles or, or print them out or whatever. It definitely helps. Now, I'm going to trip you up here because you're saying you want to get stuff to them that, that same day. But on a blog uh-huh. post that you had posted, you said about waiting a day. <laughs> okay. That's completely psych- psychological. Okay. Here's the deal with that. And, and I know people are going to be asking me about that. And, and that's, uh, you know, I don't want to contradict myself, but uh, I'll definitely explain that. When you do a photo shoot with a model, with a makeup artist, you know, with anybody else helping, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. I mean, you're moving around, the model's doing her hair, you know, you're trying to make sure that there's no flyaway hairs. I mean, you're, you're doing a lot to, you know, to comfort the model and, and make sure everything looks great. You're having so much fun in the process of shooting and, you know, motivating this model. The fact is, it, you know, you start to get a sense of fatigue and, and you don't feel that until after the shoot. I mean, I've had these shoots where I'm driving my car, I almost fall asleep. I mean, it's just, you know, you yeah. have so much fun. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's like anything, you know, you go play baseball and you have so much fun, you, you forget how tired you are. And I noticed that when fatigued, you kind of become negative, you kind of become cranky. And I've just found that, you know, in this digital age, you know, when you see all this work right away, you know, that sometimes, you know, when you're tired and, and you're hungry, you see all these images, it's like, oh, man, you know, that one could have been better. Oh, I screwed that one up. <laughs> you know, this one, this one, she's not turned the right way. There, you know, I don't know about what happened there. <laughs> and it's so funny because the next day, you know, after I get some, you know, some breakfast in me, after I get a, a good night's sleep, all those pictures that I thought sucked are actually pretty good. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll edit them, send them to the model, and she'll love them. So it's definitely, you know, this, this weird thing of, of fatigue. And, you know, it's, it's working with people. It's, you know, you, you forget that you're tiring yourself out and, and you just definitely got to stay motivated and, and just keep it going. Ed, you, you do some fashion photography nowadays. Is that how you work? Do you wait to look at your images or no I do actually I'm I get home and I'm I'm very anxious to get my stuff downloaded um, load up bridge and build my cache and and start looking at stuff almost immediately I mean I'm I'm kind of rabid about that I guess so it's an extension of the shoot for you for me yeah, it is it's interesting I mean I haven't really thought about this that much but I'm gonna I'm gonna see what happens next time I have a bunch of images on my camera I'm gonna see if I can wait <laughs> wait and take yeah, a look yeah at try them. it I mean you know, I'm I'm as anxious as the next photography. You know, yeah. you know, I'm I'm ready to go. You know, and it's it's just so weird. I mean, I've had some shoots that last nine to twelve hours, Ugh. and yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like that's the last thing you want to do when you get home, but you know, you still do it. And no, I mean, I've edited. You know, gosh, you know, two, three in the morning, and it's that's not the right thing to do. <laughs> that's a really cool point. That's something yeah. something to think about. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because you know when you think back in the film days, those guys had to actually wait no matter what because they had right. to develop other stuff, right? You know, so to, to be able to look at the slides on the light table, they had to, you know, physically wait. So that's, you know, now the digital age has hit us, and uh, we're actually faced with some new interesting problems here. That's a great point. So we have to almost force ourselves to be patient. Where oh, yeah. <laughs> instead yeah, of a... Well, actually, in one of the, the shows that's coming up, we're going to be talking about workflow. And probably something that we can kind of tie into this is the first smart step to do after you get those images off of the card, something I don't do enough of that I should, is take the time and back those guys up to another hard drive and maybe sit down and archive them out to DVD. So that way you have a couple archive, you know, you have your backups of it. Maybe that's something good to uh, to stick in there to help reduce the fatigue before you look at it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, th- you know what? That's a good point. I'll try that next time. 
So now we're we're identifying a new problem for everybody, and we're coming up with solutions. This is great. That's right. <laughs> Photo shoot fatigue. Do you suffer from PSF? <laughs> I do. <laughs> so I think it's really cool that you know, ten minutes per image. You said is is pretty impressive for post production. What's your editing process like? Like, what kind of software do you use? And I know that you you said your light helps, but what what then do you actually do to your images? What do you like to do typically? Well, um, my main two programs are actually Nikon Capture, uh, you know, the older version of Capture, and uh, Adobe Photoshop Elements, if you can believe that. Nice. And uh, yeah, I have Elements Four, and it's it's very very simple editing that I do. I only work in two layers. What I do is on the top layer, I, I do with what my friend Lloyd calls Zip Patrol. And uh, <laughs> I, I go ahead and clean up, you know, whatever blemishes they may have, um, you know, wrinkles, uh, flyaway hairs, and I, I do a noise reduction. My uh, D100, of course, is only an ISO 200, you know, that's the lowest setting. And, uh, I, you know, I have had problems with a little bit of noise, of course. I basically smooth their skin with a noise reduction technique. And on the bottom layer, if I'm editing for web, I downscale it, of course, and on the bottom layer, I do an unsharp mask of the entire picture. So now that the top layer has noise reduction, the bottom layer is sharpened, I go ahead and uh, edit it by erasing the top layer to expose the bottom layer, which is, you know, of course, a common technique that a lot of people use. I just do it in uh, a consistent manner with every shot that I take. I go ahead and uh, erase the eyes eyebrows, hair, the jewelry, which they may have, earrings, of course, uh, necklaces, rings, bracelets. Um, I erase the nails and any detailed parts of the garment. So now I have exposed uh, just the sharp areas that I want to expose, and everything else stays pretty smooth. You didn't mention the mouth. Do you not? Do you keep oh, that? yes. Yes. I, I forgot to add that part, of course, the lips. And, uh, and... And that's pretty much it. He's trying to keep some of the secrets to himself. You see that? Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do something very similar when I'm doing my images. Um, I, I have a similar um, technique for smoothing out skin. I'll apply I'll apply a Gaussian to that top layer. Right. And then um, instead of going in and actually hand erasing all of the the areas, I'll go into the or the blending options for the layer, and I'll grab okay. the shadow area of the top layer and slide it over till the hair starts to disappear. And then if you hold down the option key, you can split that blending area. So what it'll do is instead of it being a hard edge blur, it will tend to, to blend out that tonal curve. That's cool. So what that does is it'll, it'll tend to keep most of the skin tone from the, from the Gaussian, and it'll let the, like the eye area fall out. It'll let a lot of the hair fall out. Now, of course, if you have a, a very blonde model, um, you, know, you kind of got to work with that a little bit more manually, but it's it's kind of similar to what I something that I do as well, and it's kind of a, a different way to get to it. And that's the beauty with Photoshop. There's about a billion ways to get to the same result. You're very very right about that. Well, I've had discussions with gosh various photographers here in the Bay Area, and they said the same thing you just said. I mean, you could do anything and get to the same result. And actually, sometimes no matter how you get to it, as long as you get to that result doesn't matter you know that's right i think what's cool about what 
what you're doing though, Rick, is that you're using very inexpensive software. Oh yeah. So you're focusing on the image out of the camera, which I think a lot of us need to be more focused on. <laughs> and right. then you're, you, then you just have minimal edits. So you don't have, you know, big needs in terms of software and stuff for post-production. So that's pretty cool. To be a good photographer, you have to be a good photographer, not a good Photoshop artist. And that's what I really, really burned into my skull. I said, look, I don't really like to edit much. I don't want to edit much. It's cool, you know, the things that you can do with Photoshop and stuff like that. But I want to be a photographer, not, you know, a digital artist. And what I did is I just completely trained myself to like, hey, you know, get your exposure right so you don't have to mess with your levels. You know, get your, you know, know your camera, know every function that, you know, you can help yourself prior to having to edit all this stuff. And that's how I keep, you know, my editing time down. That's how I'm able to, you know, give these pictures back to my model so fast is I develop myself as a good photographer first and worry about all the Photoshop stuff later. Good advice. That's excellent advice. Actually, the other point I was going to make, you were saying about software. You know, Bill, that he's, you know, not using, you know, $600 software and all of this kind of stuff and still getting great images. But you can even back it up even a little bit further than that. You don't have the latest model camera. You're using Home Depot lighting. Right. <laughs> you're using very affordable software. And um, you're kicking my pants in the images that you're getting out of it. <laughs> 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 well, Rick, what do you, you just, you made me think of one other thing. When you're using your ring light, are you metering with an external meter? And if so, you know, what's your metering technique like? Yes, I, I do have a, a Seconic uh, light meter. It's, it's that, the first model that you guys actually mentioned, uh, it's that little, that little black one, uh, the L308, okay. I believe. Right. Um, I do meter with that one. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, of course, you know, what are the basic rules of metering light? You know, you, you just want to make sure that your light meter is facing the camera, you know, not light itself. So, you know, of course, you know, in the middle, you know, right dead on to where the camera's going to be. And, uh, and that's basically it. I mean, I, I just, you know, raw, raw photography is, you know, a really great thing, you know, but I just, uh, I have noticed that with my camera, not having enough light hit the sensor appropriately is going to develop noise. And right. noise is not our friend. So That's I don't true. want to have to mess with levels too much. So I want to meter correctly, uh, expose the picture correctly, and it's just less work for me later. That's cool. Yeah, I was just I was curious about that because when you're working with continuous light, it's a little more tempting to not use a meter. And I thought it was neat that you said that's really still important to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just want to be sure because, you know, with my ring light, one different part about my ring light, and I think here's the uh, the secret about my ring light, I actually do not use spotlights. A lot of people on ring lights use spotlights, and, you know, they project and, and rather focus the light out towards further away from the model. And I like to keep mm. my models close to the light. So I actually just use regular bulbs, the cheap incandescent bulbs. And, you know, I keep the hood on my lens, of course, you know, so I don't get any uh, flaring, of course. And, yeah, I mean, you just go from there. So how close are you to these ladies? Okay, if I want to get, let's say, a head and shoulders shot, the model will be about, I'll say, two to three feet away from the light source itself, from, you know, the tip of the bulb. And I will be, I'll say, probably another maybe three to four feet, you know. And, uh, and my main lens that I use is a 50-millimeter 
uh, Nikon 1.4. That's great. That's a great lens, by the way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very sharp. I mean, if if the world were to you know blow up and there was just one lens that I could pick, <laughs> it would be that lens. Yeah, I mean, I took that lens to Mexico. I mean, I won two awards from pictures that I took in Mexico. So nice. I actually broke that lens in one of the nightclubs. <laughs> uh -oh. I, was, I almost wanted to cry, man. It was pretty sad. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all have. So now I have a question about your concepts oh. because you have so many amazing things that you've done, uh, some great locations. Um, how do you come about doing or coming up with your concepts for what you're going to shoot? Do you... Um, do you fly by the seat of your pants? Uh, do you go scout a location? Do you pre-visualize the shoot in your head? Um, I, I find this very interesting because I've kind of come to the realization about how I work with a lot of this myself. So I think it's interesting to find how other people um, handle this. Yeah, sure. Um, it also it, it all actually depends on what the model's looking for. Most of my models are actually contacting me through uh, my various uh, you know, profiles online, and uh, they're usually looking for something, uh, you know, whether it's a, gosh, you know, a beauty shoot, a fashion shoot, a Maxim style shoot, whatever. And I basically, you know, determine it off of there. Um, within those shoots, I, you know, of course, use, you know, as much of my ring light as I can. You know, most of the time I might have to break out my alien bees, but it, it, it also, you know, it, it actually depends on the model, like what she needs. So I'll, I'll scout out locations, you know, get back to them, ask them what they have seen. Uh, it's, it's usually, you know, kind of a joint effort. So you're, you're looking to, you're looking at the model as a client in most cases then, I guess. Yes. Yep, and you're definitely. trying to satisfy them. That's cool. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do have friends that, um, you know, they'll call me up and, hey, let's shoot. And, you know, we'll, we'll, do something different, you know, we'll go to a different location, stuff like that, but uh, most of my models have been clients, and, uh, and you know, I, I try to fulfill whatever they're looking for, you know, whether it's a lingerie shoot, you know, in a hotel, and, you know, we'll try to find an upscale hotel, you know, with a cool background, stuff like that, studio, whatever. I think we were yeah. talking online one time, and you said that a lot of these hotels are starting to look at you like, uh, like, what is he carrying all that gear up to a room for? <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely funny, especially when they see the ring light. I mean, you see the oh, security guard. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's 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 so funny because one of the hotels that I shoot in uh, is actually here in my town. It's it's one of the W hotels. They're these awesome modern looking hotels. I've heard of them. And I mean, they have yeah, they have uh, these those roundabout doors. Gosh, I nearly <laughs> crushed my oh, ring no. light. Yeah, I mean I. I pinned it into the corner one time, and I'm like here wrestling with this, you know, PVC pipe uh, and all this, you know, all this gear. It was it was the funniest thing ever. It, it should have been on America's <laughs> Funniest Home Videos. Yeah, half the time uh, it just seems like these security guards are just hoping. It's like, man, that I hope that there's no fire hazard with that thing, you know. <laughs> but uh, I've had no problems. I've had no problems with them. They just, you know, just figure that I'm some kind of photographer doing something. Well, we've we've been talking for nearly an hour. And I'm sure we could talk a lot more. I really appreciate you uh, spending your time with us tonight. Uh, but before we go, of course, you know, we have a tradition here where we ask our photographers to to answer some rapid-fire questions. Are you up for that? Sure. Okay, cool. You want to go first, Ed? Sure. Now, you shoot lots of ladies, um, and uh, I'm sure you get inspiration from somewhere. What's the favorite magazine? 
Oh gosh, um, I would pro- actually. It w- it's not a magazine. It's it's a website and a catalog. BB. How do you spell that? It's B E B E, right? Yes. Their photographer is completely awesome. I, I'm still trying to figure out who he is or who she is, whoever. Yeah. Okay. Definitely good good stuff. You already told us about your favorite lens, and we know about your favorite light modifier. So how about what's your favorite photo accessory? Other than those two things. Something you have in your bag that you would never take out. I would say a lens hood. Good one. What would be your favorite location to shoot? Favorite location, indoors. Indoors anywhere? Indoors, probably, I'll I'll probably say a nightclub. You know, probably a really, really cool upscale hotel. Tell us about your your favorite shoot that you've done so far. Oh, gosh. Uh, Probably my favorite shoot that I have done was done in Mountain View. I believe it was in March, last March, and it was with this great girl that I met at one of the nightclubs. Her name is Vanessa, and I know she's going to listen to this and really, really smile from ear to ear. She's this beautiful Mexican girl with these beautiful eyes. And, I mean, shooting her was just amazing. I mean, to have a model like her, and she's not even a model, she's a singer, uh, but not for long. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's she's in my uh, Flickr feed. She's uh, you know her name is under Vanessa and amazing shoot. I just it was it was just too good. Well, I have one on a recent shoot I was at. I showed up, set up all of my alien bees, got all my soft boxes and everything out, and I turned around and I looked and could not find my sync cable. So oh, what's, what's your biggest photo blunder? That's a good one, probably. Yeah, man, this is pretty bad. Blunder? This one is actually, somebody got uh, kind of hurt with this one. I was shooting <laughs> one of my favorite models. Her name is uh, her name is Sarita. She was in the bathroom kind of modeling with uh, a towel on her head and a towel wrapped around her body. I was trying to get these real close-up shots of her face, and she kind of leaned in towards one of my bulbs on my ring light and burnt herself. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She screamed, and I was like, oh, man, what happened? Oh, no. Yeah. That was pretty bad. I, I felt bad for her there. The adventures of Rick <laughs> in, his, in his ring light. Exactly, man. That ring light's <laughs> going to kill me. Either that or make you famous or both. <laughs> yeah. So we've had a great time talking with you tonight, Rick. I really appreciate it. And if you guys want to check out Rick's work, you can check it out at rickdiaz.com. That's R-I-C-D-I-A-Z.com, where Rick's got a bunch of great photography and a blog as well and some other things you can check out and you've also got a profile on one model place and model mayhem if you're interested in working with rick or you just want to check out more of his work and i will put links in the show notes to both of his his profiles on those sites so you can check him out over there rick thanks again this has been a great time we really look forward to watching your career take off man my pleasure guys thanks for having me Well, that's all we have for this episode of Light Source, the brightest podcast on the internet. Be sure to check out the show notes at studiolighting.net for the things that we talked about on today's show. And there you can also find links about our photography and keep up with the stuff that we've been shooting. And don't forget you can send us feedback or questions about the show to studiolighting at gmail.com. And we'll try to answer those questions on the show or in the lighting questions section on studiolighting.net. You can also get feedback on your photography in our Flickr group, which is at www.flickr.com slash groups slash light source. Till next time. Take care.
check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. photocastnetwork.com. I find a lot of people asking me a lot of questions, and uh, I, I mean, I do, I, I am part of, uh, you know what, give me a second. No problem. Yes. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, you know what, I'm, what's that? Yeah, I'm on the phone. Sorry, dude. All right. <laughs> All right, sorry, man. Yeah, this is what sucks about being at work. That might be a good outtake. <laughs> <laughs>